0: August thirteenth. Now as we turn our attention to our reading in the New Testament, we're looking into the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Life is controlled by conscience, we'll see as we read the Bible today. Conscience is the judge within that commends us for doing right and condemns us for doing wrong. If we sin against our conscience, we do terrible damage to the inner person conscience is strengthened by knowledge. Your spiritual knowledge can be either a weapon to hurt people or a tool to build people. See, love knows when and how to yield to others without compromising the truth. William Cowper wrote, Knowledge is proud that he has learned so much. Wisdom is humble that he knows no more. And with that, we begin today's reading from the New Testament. August 13th, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Now let's talk about food that has been sacrificed to idols. You, Corinthians, think that everyone should agree with your perfect knowledge. While knowledge may make us feel important, it is love that really builds up the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. But the person who loves God is the one God knows and cares for. So now what about it? Should we eat meat that has been sacrificed to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really a god, and that there is only one God and no other. According to some people, there are many so-called gods and many lords, both in heaven and on earth. But we know that there is only one God, the Father, who created everything, and we exist for Him. And there is only one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom God made everything and through whom we have been given life. However, not all Christians realize this. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real, so when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods, and their weak consciences are violated. It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't miss out on anything if we don't eat it, and we don't gain anything if we do. But you must be careful with this freedom of yours. Do not cause a brother or sister with a weaker conscience to stumble. You see, this is what can happen. Weak Christians who think it is wrong to eat this food will see you eating in the temple of an idol. You know there's nothing wrong with it, but they will be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been dedicated to the idol. So because of your superior knowledge, a weak Christian for whom Christ died will be destroyed, and you are sinning against Christ when you sin against other Christians by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong. If what I eat is going to make another Christian sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to make another Christian stumble.
1: When we suffer in this lifetime, we need to keep a few things in perspective. Number one, Romans 8, 28. God works all things together for good for those who love him and for those who are called according to his purpose. God works all things, even the worst things, together for good for his people. We need to keep that in focus. And if we're unable to see that, if we're so struggling with our difficulties that we we can't possibly see or think or imagine the good that can come from it, then we need to keep this in perspective. That the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory we shall see. As difficult as it gets in this lifetime, we have the promise and the hope of eternal life with Christ. And the worst horrors that we can imagine in this life are not even worthy to be compared with how wonderful it will be to be with Christ. Not worthy to be compared. And we cling to these things, and I'm clinging to these things right now, that God is going to work good in this lifetime. And that these things someday shall pass and they won't even be worthy of mentioning in light of seeing Jesus, I believe it. And then we bring those things together with this truth, the promise of a new heaven and a new earth. That time where Christ himself will set right every wrong and he'll be with us in the boat of pain in the storm. that day is coming you see the God has never promised us that we won't suffer in this lifetime in fact he's made it explicit in the Word of God that we will suffer in this lifetime but there is coming a day in the renewal of all things in the fullness of Christ's presence, where because of his person, because of his presence, there will be no more tears. He himself will wipe them away. No more crying, mourning, pain, no more cancer, no more death. I have joy in the pain because I will gain in a new way the present of Jesus himself. And then holding on to these things when we all suffer in life will allow us to be the kind of person that Job was. In Job chapter 1, he got horrible news after horrible news after horrible news. His entire family, all of his kids were wiped out. All of his belongings, all of his wealth it was all wiped out in a day. And it says, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground. That's how they mourned then. But look what he did. And worshiped. That's the man that I want to be. I want to be the kind of man that the more I lose, the more I worship God. Because the more I lose in this world, the more of a treasure he becomes to me in this moment. And Job said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And my daily prayer is verse 22. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. the kind of people we need to be in suffering shall we indeed take the good and not adversity has God not warned us that in this world we would have difficulty but take heart he has overcome the world and there is coming a new day and I want to tell you church that Jesus is more present in our brokenness the gospel is more real and on greater display when we are broken than at any other time
0: Today we'll be reading in Psalm chapter 33, verses 1 through 11. We'll learn about God's Word in worship. We dare not separate worship from the Word of God, for we must worship in truth. The better we know the Scriptures, the better we'll be able to praise Him. We'll learn about God's Word in creation. God spoke the universe into existence, and His Word controls it. What a powerful Word it is. Psalm 33, verses 1 through 11. Let the godly sing with joy to the Lord, for it's fitting to praise Him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for Him on the ten-stringed harp. Sing new songs of praise to Him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. For the word of the Lord holds true, and everything He does is worthy of our trust. He loves whatever is just and good, and His unfailing love fills the earth. The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He gave the sea its boundaries, and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let everyone in the world fear the Lord, and let everyone stand in awe of Him. For when He spoke, the world began. It appeared at His command. The Lord shatters the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes. But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. Proverbs 21, verses 8 through 10. The guilty walk a crooked path. The innocent travel a straight road. It is better to live alone in the corner of an attic and with a contentious wife in a lovely home. Evil people love to harm others. Their neighbors get no mercy from them.